Andrew Faust, Andrew Faust here, Permaculture Perspective. Andrew Faust here, Permaculture Perspectives. Today, I thought I would talk some about our recent activities with our educational endeavors in New York City. We just graduated a class of 15 people, uh, and I was thinking that it would be interesting to go down the list a little and share with you the real diversity of people that come through our program and what the work is that we're doing as educators and part of why I'm so inspired and Adriana and our whole team of teachers are so inspired to be working in New York City is because the diversity of people, the cross-section of awesome human beings that sign up for our course over the last eight years has been why we continue to do the program. And now we have over 500 graduates through it. So I thought I'd just, so I thought I would just go through some of the different students here. We have who was doing a range of different culinary and medicinal herbs that he was growing in Canada. And then we have Diego, who is from Uruguay and is doing his design for a three-acre property in Greenwich, Connecticut. And we have also from Uruguay. And he did his design for a four-acre dog park in Connecticut as well. And Deborah Gill, she did her design for a on-ramp park that is on 59th Street and the Queensboro Bridge. Talk about bringing permaculture to some of the most in-need and damaged landscapes and looking at how to create a real beautiful little niche for people to enjoy lunch and some sunshine in what is a very abused, poor place right now for anybody to spend time. So really impressed with her design, Deborah. Erica, Erica also uh, did a design for her own property in Brooklyn. And Erica also is one of the co-founders of the Good Work Institute. And we have Vincent, born and raised in Brooklyn. And he took two of our one-day courses. And Gregory, who also is living in Midtown Manhattan, his design was for the Gowanus Canal, addressing combined sewer overflows. And Sierra, she'd spent six months in Haiti traveling, and her design was applying permaculture to the revitalization of a automotive technological training high school on Bedford. And we have Zach, who did a design for a family property on Mohunk Road, up near to where we are here in the Schwangum Mountain. And then we have Jackie. Jackie did her design for a 
educational campus, in fact, that is on some Audubon land in Westbrook, Connecticut. And she applied permaculture design to the entire campus, creating pollinator gardens, playgrounds, all incorporating the goals of the Audubon Society on a 14-acre school. Then we have Laura, who is looking for land up the Hudson and using the class as a tool for getting some sense of where she might want to land, on what kind of land. And we have Yvette from Westchester who wants to expand her horizons on permaculture and how to apply it around a lot of the development issues that are happening in Westchester, which are pretty intense as far as trying to conserve open space, keep nature's beauty, and water quality all in mind as uh, continued development pressure happens in that area. And we have Danielle, who Danielle is a software developer, and she did a design for a whole apartment building on 90th and 1st Street. Excellent whole site application and permaculture. You see how all the so many of these designs are dealing with places where the students have done thorough background research on air quality and water quality. And Kimberly, who already works in sustainability design education, and her design was for a whole NYCHA housing section of. Uh, Midtown Manhattan on Smith Street. Again, large-scale application of permaculture, looking at infrastructure and the whole layout of the landscape, make better use of different microclimates that are created by buildings, get a harvest out of all of the surfaces that are collecting rainwater and using those on site for system services in an integrated way. Kimberly also has a background in architecture. I think that gives you a, a good taste of the, the diversity of people who are studying with us and why it's so fulfilling to be bringing permaculture education into the midst of the urban hardscape, which is such a man-made desert that it's very beautiful and abundant to see the restorative power of bringing plants and human care and attention to a landscape that has largely been neglected, unappreciated. And when it's shown some love and some care, it can really flourish and be a beautiful place for people to live and raise their families. And that's part of our goal is to be part of the process of celebrating the beauty of human beings and bringing that awareness into a environment that has lost touch with the basic needs of people, which are to have not toxic air to breathe, but really good air to breathe and really excellent, vital, potent, non-chlorinated water to drink, non-fluoridated water and to have a community who isn't overstressed, overworked, underpaid. What I mean by overstressed is there's an amount that's healthy, which is physical work and getting our heart rate up every day and doing 
things where we mobilize our whole body. But overstressed is when we're doing work of a repetitive sort that isn't really increasing our body mobility, but is actually calcifying our potential to move in a range or spectrum of movements. So we need to pay attention to our bodies. We need to pay attention to the air that we breathe, the water that we drink. And we're continuing to offer education, hands-on training. You know, part of what I love about winter, this season that we're going into right now, goes back and reminds me of my times living in what I call my permaculture PhD project down in Pocahontas County, West Virginia. And there, I really encountered a much more intense winter than I did growing up in Pennsylvania. Because actually, even though it's southerly in terms of latitude, where I created my educational center down there, close to Gesundheit and Patch Adams, because of the work that I was doing with them, uh, which is part of what brought me to that area, it was actually a growing zone five, um, good bit colder. And in fact, where the home was that I learned how to do straw bale and earthen plasters and off-grid energy and gravity-fed water to, that home site would get blasted in the wintertime with sometimes 40 to 50 mile an hour gusts for two to three days straight. So in the winter there, I really learned how to be able to stay warm in really cold conditions. So I would be often harvesting firewood, uh, what I call hand to mouth, not the best scenario because of how limited and remote the access was. So there was no way you were driving truckloads of wood to this site, certainly not in the wintertime. And what, it's, what it really helps you to appreciate is how much you can do for yourself with minimal materials and be very comfortable in the midst of what without a good wood stove and good fuel and a nice, cozy, what I call human-friendly microclimate, meaning a home that you've constructed out of healthy, natural materials or at least appropriate materials that you have been able to create a little microclimate that makes your life cozy, warm, and the place where you want to be while the days are short. And then as the days get longer, we come out and we roam into the landscape. Then we nurture what it is that we planted last year and add new beauty to the world. And so I'm going to share with you some of the courses that we have coming up here. So don't forget, every third Friday of the month, we do a Brooklyn Permaculture Meetup. And that is at 388 Atlantic Avenue, the Brooklyn Commons. On January 27th, I will be doing a talk on permaculture and agroforestry at the NOFA, New Jersey, 
Conference on February 3rd. I will be giving a class on urban permaculture at the Brooklyn Commons. How do we do this in the city? What does it look like? How do you integrate it into your life here and now to help improve your health and experience of the world? On February 17th, I'll be doing a class on permaculture in the city and what does it look like to claim health and claim real autonomy in the midst of an industrial infrastructure. Our next permaculture design certification course at the Brooklyn Commons begins February 24th. I recommend you sign up today and grab your space in that class because we have a lot of interest and we have a limit on numbers and this is going to be one of the most powerful offerings that we've launched. We're bringing in a whole range of innovative and cutting edge educators from throughout the Northeast. So look forward to having you join us in that course. If you've studied other permaculture courses, they are a good adjunct to this. Our program is absolutely a unique powerhouse of insights that you will not want to miss. It ends on April 14th, and you'll graduate with the tools and the toolkit and the ability to apply permaculture to any aspect of your life that you desire. Some of our skill building classes coming up. We have on the Ellenville campus, April 28th, we've got a permaculture and biodynamic gardening class. And on May 5th and 6th, a natural building class. I'll say that again, April 28th, the permaculture and biodynamic gardening class. May 5th and 6th, a natural building class. May 12th, a free farm tour pre-Mother's Day event on the 12th. Mother's Day being the following day, the 13th. On May 19th, we'll be doing a class called Working with Animals, where Adriano will introduce you to the whole process of keeping goats we have five dwarf Nigerian goats and 20 laying hens and two geese and five ducks. And so you will meet the animals and learn how to work with them. And then our Ellenville Permaculture Design Certification course begins June 1st and ends June 29th. There seems to be... A real attachment to this notion of knowing what the limits are to the earth, human beings, and the potential of our species on this planet. There is a usefulness to the tool of measuring and then 
there is a point where it is no longer useful. And this distinction between when a tool is useful and when it is not useful is one of the foundational distinctions that we need to apply across the board throughout our lives, throughout our modalities of functioning. And what I mean by that is that functioning from a place of limits, believing that in fact we can know the nature of the universe through numbers, is going to cause us to do damage to the world. The world is not reducible to numbers. Numbers, you know, they, <laughs> they, they highlight a certain slice of life, but they certainly are not, by any stretch of the imagination, They are not doing anything other than giving us a good little glimpse, a great little glimpse into where it is that we might see a little bunny rabbit. the limits of because it's the limits of our tools in fact that we are out of touch with when we think there is such a thing as limits <laughs> <laughs> 